In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talk about the start of training camp in Camden, about the NBA adding three scrimmages to the Sixers schedule down in Orlando, about who the fifth starter might wind up being, some of the comments Brett Brown has made during his press availability, and what the rotations might look like. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. Real quick, uh, head on over to theathletic.com slash Sixers Beat and get 40% off of a yearly subscription. You get a discounted rate. We get credit for sending you. Win, win. We would appreciate it. How you doing, Rich? I'm feeling okay. And, and I'll, I'll start with a question because you usually start with the questions. I'll start with a question for you. Based on what we heard this week, and by the way, this is one of the weirder media environments ever, right? We are talking to people who are scrimmaging, not scrimmaging, they are practicing by themselves and we can't even watch it. Yep. But all we can go by are the players and coaches' words, what they're saying. I feel like from what we heard this week, and there are some reasons to be skeptical. There are some just general reasons to be skeptical because of what I said that we have not watched these guys. But from what they said, is it okay to feel a little bit optimistic about this team, where they stand today, and and, um, heading into the bubble in Orlando? So I guess taking a step back and talking about the weirdness of the environment right now. First of all, everything, like you said, is a Zoom call. You know, we have it with Brett. We have it with players. We got to see a nice view of Brett's backyard the other day because he did his outside. That's what I mean. He wasn't even at the facility. No. Like, we got to see who's good with technology and who isn't. Uh, We got to see Rich Hoffman with the backwards hat. We got to see some really great beards in the media environment that we don't always see. We get, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's different. It's very different. And, oh, by the way, all of these interviews sort of sound like they are a training camp interview, except we're, what, a little over a a month and two weeks away from the playoffs? Playoffs? You know, f- what, four months away from having played a game, we're in like this extended break of a training camp with the playoffs right around the corner. It's really weird. But all of these quotes very much do sound training camp-ish career best fitness, feeling healthy. I'm expecting to say Ben Simmons or hear Ben Simmons talk about his jumper soon. Like it's just, it's that kind of an environment where there's almost unchecked optimism, which is maybe my least favorite part of training camp, but at least you're getting basketball back, which I guess kind of fits here too. But yes, going based off of what people have said, it does, and again, we haven't like when we're talking, especially about Joel Embiid. I'm sure we'll get to in a second. We haven't even seen Joel Embiid yet, not even on a Zoom call, much less in person. But from everything that people have been saying, you know, Ben Simmons. I think it was what who did who did Brett Brown give that interview a couple weeks ago? I think it was uh, was it Chris Mannix? Yes. Somebody where he said that he 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 wasn't confident or he he wouldn't say that Ben Simmons was a hundred percent healthy. He came off of that. He said, look. 
and all for all intents and purposes, basically Ben Simmons, I'm treating him as any other player. He's a hundred percent. I'm treating him like Matisse Thibel and Shake Milton. And like, we just have to ramp him back up to sort of game speed. So good bill of health there. Joel Embiid, he came out and he said, I mean, almost quite literally, he's in career best fitness, or at least the best best fitness base since I've had him here, which since he's in, he's only ever had ben, or uh, Brett Brown as a coach, it's basically career best fitness. And I think the second one's probably the one that people will doubt more. And look, I get it. Like, I get it. We've all watched the same basketball player for the last few years. But it's sort of like what I said in our roundtable on The Athletic not too long ago. It's like, if Brett's going to lie about that, and like it's one thing to like maybe twist it a little bit and be a little optimistic in your reading of the situation. It would be another thing if you know Joel Embiid just isn't in shape at all. Like We'll find that out very soon. Like They will start, you know, I think we've got the first scrimmage now in about three weeks. Um, they Are they will televising be pro- those, by the way? I don't know. I, I truthfully don't know. I probably should have looked that up, but I haven't, I, I haven't heard. They should if they want to make more money, right? Televise everything, man. Televise everything. But you have so we'll, like we'll, we'll find that out soon. Games are what uh, four weeks away. People will see Joel Embiid soon. Yeah, and, and I would even argue, besides Simmons and Embiid, one of the bigger revelations came from Al Horford, who does not like to reveal anything when yes. it comes to injuries. But even him admitting, yeah, I probably wasn't where I wanted to be during the season, which health wise, yeah. Yeah, you could tell, and I'm sure he wasn't where he wanted to be as a uh, as a player either, but he was specifically talking about his health. That, for him, qualifies as a bombshell, I would say. And it's something that we've speculated for a long time, whether that uh, – it's the left knee, right? That uh, if that was bothering him ever since he sat out a couple of games in December and he never looked – like the guy we saw a few times earlier in the season, I'm thinking the uh, the road Phoenix game was the, uh, yeah. you know, he was throwing down put back dunks and he just looked athletically on a different level than he looked over the next uh, next few months and even up until I would say close to the end of the season. It's hard to he started to play a little bit better at the end there. I, I kind of forget whether that was because he was moving better or it was just because he wasn't playing with Embiid and Simmons. But that's another thing where I would say, like, we talk a lot about, yeah, they're kind of screwed with the uh, the fit between Embiid and Simmons and Horford. That's never going to be perfect. But one thing that can make it a little bit better and just make everything a little bit better is, okay, is Al Horford playing better individually? Because if he is at a higher athleticism level and he's able to do a few more things out on the floor, yeah, the, yeah, the fit won't be perfect, but he might be able to be able to uh to smoothen some of the rougher edges i would say uh yeah so, the, so that's the, another thing the quote from al i probably wasn't where i wanted to be I'm not going to make any excuses right now i'm in a much better place the time off is beneficial for me i mean like you said we've been spec because he, he had those couple of games off i feel like they were like it was one off then he played for a little while and it took another one off i don't think it was like a, a, a extended period in a row but he had those couple of games off throughout maybe a month span and he just never looked the same physically. And look, I don't think you're going to get a couple months off for Al Horford. He's going to come back and this is going to be, you know, a seamless fit offensively. Like, I just don't think that is going to be in the cards. Like, I don't think these these pieces fit well enough. But I do think that 
if the defense is a little closer to as advertised, you will put up with some of these clunky offensive fits a little more willingly. Like he still has to make shots. He still has to be comfortable taking those shots. He still has to, has to spread the floor out there. He has to know what to do in the corner. He has to find, not always be trying to post up and getting in, in other guys' lanes. Like there's all kinds of stuff that we, he's not, not going to be in that high pick and roll as much. But if the defense is closer to what we thought it would be, then at least you have that side of the equation. So yeah, I think it's it's probably fair to be cautiously optimistic. Looking at it through the lens of this is basically like a training camp media availability, but cautiously optimistic, sure, yeah. I would say with Embiid, too, another reason to be somewhat optimistic is when you look back at a lot of the off-seasons, and I'm thinking this off-season specifically when we are uh, talking his past, I would say, disappointing uh like being in bad shape, but worse than advertised. This past off season, he couldn't really work out a lot in the yeah. summer because he was not healthy. And as of now, I mean, we think he is, you know, he was playing by the end of the, uh, you know, the end of the season. Like, I mean, what did he, he sat for what, two weeks because of the shoulder, but that that's nothing that would prevent him from working out, you know, three months after that. So I, I think he's probably in better shape. And and the one off season of his career where we knew he was like not hurt and, and able to do the most like basketball stuff, that's when he came out in 2018-19 and he played like an MVP candidate for yep. a month. And eventually he kept going, you know, he, he put too much stress on his body by playing too hard. It's kind of the uh it's the tough balancing act that he has to face. You would hope that he's roughly, you know, working out under the same conditions. That's one part of it. And I guess the second part of it is that unlike that uh, that season where he ran out of gas in the middle of it and he eventually developed the knee tendonitis that would bother him all the way through the uh, Toronto series, even as uh, the Sixers like literally were on fire the second he left the floor. But it did affect his individual play for sure. Um, there's not a lot of uh, of runway here. He can see the finish line. He's got to play these eight seeding games, and then here we go. Here's the playoffs. So I guess that would be another reason to uh, to be a little bit optimistic. But like, look, I, I am going into this with eyes wide open. Like I, I have heard that career best fitness thing from Brett before, and it just hasn't been the case. And it's it's got to be something that Embiid shows to us. But yeah, I think there, there's. You know, I I could buy him being in better shape than he was at the start of the year for sure. Yeah, I mean, look, the two years ago, like you said, he did come back in in what you would probably classify as career best fitness. Uh, you know, a lot I don't of, even remember if like was the beginning of that season was he like moving better or I don't even remember like. I think it's more that he was he was playing longer into games and not looking as fatigued at the end of it. Like it didn't seem like he was wearing down. For, on a day-to-day basis, like like sometimes early in, in B's career, he would play the first half and look, the second half he would look sluggish. Yeah, that's right. I felt like he was playing like 35, 37 minutes. Not that he should have been, but he was, and he looked like he could handle that on a night-to-night basis a little bit better. And then he completely ran out of gas in that Toronto game, which was like, you know, he was like leading the league in minutes at that yep. time. But yeah, you're right. He was... He was certainly more consistent, but sometimes it's a little bit harder to see in part because he's 
still a very good player even when he's not in optimal shape. Um I feel like I feel like a lot of the not optimal shape stuff. First of all, I think at the beginning of this year, which like you said, he wasn't able to work out over the offseason like he could two summers ago. And sometimes in season when he wasn't able to practice or he got injured, I feel like that's where some of it has come up as well. But yeah, I mean, if you look at this as an offseason where he actually had a chance to to like he wasn't rehabbing an injury, then I guess there's re- there's reason to be optimistic that he could uh he could be in better shape than 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 when they left for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I don't know. It's three of your starters who were were dealing with injury or, or shape questions, and if all three of those are true, you're you're in better shape. I mean, I think this is kind of uh, this got swept under the rug a little bit just because it's it's an awkward thing to talk about, but no coronavirus tests too uh, yep. positive tests. Sorry. And I don't know if that's still the case. Like they're getting tested, right, every day or every other day, something like that. Um, so, so another one could pop up. I, I do think like it's an advantage. You hear about these other places, um, these other teams that that have coronavirus tests, and you just look like there's, you know, they're hot spots in the country, yeah. right? And I think. While Pennsylvania isn't doing great in that regard right now, it's doing a whole lot better than a lot of places. Yeah, and I mean, you've got some teams who have had to shut down their gyms. Some players, like you said, who have, what was it, 31 players now, I think, have tested positive, something in that range. 7% of the players that are playing. Yeah, so none on the Sixers. The Sixers, well, I guess we'll start this off. There was some injury news. Uh, Zaire Smith has a bone bruise in his left knee. He will not be making the trip. Um, because the injury came before the Sixers opened up training camp, they cannot get a replacement player for him. So they will go down to Orlando with 16 players. Brett Brown did say that as of what I think it was last, was it Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday? I don't know. These days are all mixed together. Um, but earlier this week, there, that's what we'll do. Earlier this week, Brett Brown said that um, none of the players had tested positive and none of the players had indicated that they weren't going to make the trip to Orlando. So the Sixers should have 16, including the accountant, Ryan Brokoff, heading down with them to uh, Orlando, which is knock on wood, good. Like you said, still a couple of days they head down there on July 9th. But as of now, looks like clear sailing for that. Yeah, and no players elected to uh, to not play. I know there was some speculation that maybe some of the players who were going to be free agents this summer might decide not to play, and it's something that we have seen on. Well, other luckily teams. they spent they spent all that money last year. There aren't that many relevant players who aren't who are going to be free agents. You're saying that's one of the benefits to uh, to locking up two of the worst <laughs> contracts in the uh, the past twenty years of the Sixers to well, plug and, another and, athletic article and Mike week. Scott and Mike Scott and Shake Milton. They locked up Shake Milton too. That last one an objectively objectively really good contract. I, I agree. Um, so, yeah, Grand I mean, I, I thought I was thinking more Glenn Robinson or Alec Burks, who yeah, are for sure. more fringe players, but also guys that we c- can say have some level of upside and more upside than the, the players that they had in well, those positions before. That's a bonus that you didn't mention there at the beginning. Glenn Robinson now has had a chance to learn his role. Good to go. That's true. Good to I, go. I think the Glenn Robinson experience has been pretty weird. I think he's a pretty good guy. Who, I think uh, he is too. I think he is who too. just he kind of stoked the fire a little bit in the he wrong way. He got frustrated. He said something in a in a way he shouldn't have. And look, I, I I mean, I think a lot, especially when you get traded and you're in a contract year. I think a lot of times I don't know my role means I need a different role. 
Uh, and I think he, uh, I think he probably could have just said that better. And also he was struggling at the time and all that. Like, I think his first eight games, he didn't make a three. I think Glenn Robinson, like you said, a, he's a, I think he's, he's a good person. I think he will try hard on defense. Now the effectiveness of that we can talk about, but I think he will give effort on defense. And uh, I think he's a overall a good person at locker room. I agree. So they're in better shape, I would say, than most teams going into the Orlando bubble. I think like you're seeing, you know, you're seeing positive coronavirus tests like Landry Shamit just tested yeah. positive. I hope I hope he's doing good because we personally know him and he's a good dude. Um, and obviously he is an important part on a team that could win the title. Uh, you know, Oladipo, we can talk about that in a little bit. The the Pacers are are jockeying with the Sixers for the uh for the fifth seed. That is that's a big blow, although he was not playing well when the league uh shut down just because you know, he was coming, coming off back. an injury. And that's typically uh what what was his injury again? Did he tear an ACL? Oof. It was it was a serious injury though. Uh I don't know if it was that or an Achilles. But, you know, he, he had a long layoff and he just wasn't shooting the ball well. But, you know, I think the, the Pacers have, I would say, limited upside compared to a lot of the other Eastern, you know, the top six Eastern Conference teams. And that's uh, that's a big blow because if, if he was somewhat back to his pre-injury form, then they might have had a chance to uh, to hop ahead of the Sixers. And they still do. They could still win that uh that first game that they play. But yeah, that's, that's certainly a big one too. A ruptured quad tendon in his right knee. Yeah. Ow. What's the worst injury you ever had? I never really got hurt that bad. I like, I never broke an arm as a kid. Mm. I, I always was kind of uh, jealous too, because uh, I always wanted a cast where everybody signed it like in school. And it just, uh, it just never happened for me in high school. I, sprained my ankle playing basketball really bad. Um, and, and that doesn't sound like it's a big deal. And yeah, it's like, it's not as bad as a lot of my friends growing up, their worst injuries, but it was something I had to deal with a lot. And it's something that never gets better. Like yeah. if you don't wear an ankle brace playing basketball and you can easily like re-sprain it and really hurt it and not be able to walk for a couple of days. So that's the worst one. What about you? In terms of long-term impact, I tore an ACL. Um, that was certainly the, the worst. Uh, separated a shoulder, broke a thumb, and a concussion. Those are probably the four notable ones. I suffered a concussion playing football, a, yeah. uh, a minor one. But yes, that was... Yeah, no, I, I actually was friendly fire. We both dove for a tackle and uh, heads collided, and that was... That was that was certainly the weirdest, and that was back in the day when like, oh, you got your bell rung, go back, go sit on the bench for a little bit. Got um, your bell rung. <laughs> but I remember playing the next next play, and I I couldn't, I had no real concept of what was going on. It was bad, which was only marginally different than how I played football normally. But uh, as someone who thinks that basketball is a way more physical sport compared to the other ones, than these guys get credit for just because of the the pressure that playing the modern game puts on your lower body in particular, just all that running and all of those explosive movements. I do like read the football injury report sometimes and think, man, these guys are insane. Oh, completely. Absolutely. Yep. 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 Um, I would, I would not last two plays. All right. So let's, by the way, baseball is best. If, if you have a kid, you want to get them into sports, just play baseball. 
Make him a, a left-handed pitcher. He could pitch until he's 45. What was Jamie Moyer when he when he retired finally? 43, 44? 80. <laughs> no, that was just how fast he threw. Uh, yeah, that's always how fast he threw. He never threw hard. Um, but yeah, no, if, if I ever have a son, he's, he's, he's playing baseball and I'm putting the ball in his left hand for sure. Um, also, the, the money's really good. All right. Um, anything you really want to take from um, Brett Brown's press conference that we haven't really said yet? I feel like it's it's a little weird because um, nothing has really changed. Like Brett, I think I, I think we spoke to him on Tuesday. Now that I think about it, I think it was like his second day of actually being allowed in the gym with these guys, and he wasn't even really like leading up a practice. He's just sort of watching one on what not one on one, but one player sessions with one assistant coach from the sidelines. So it's not like all that much has really changed. But any I guess any anything you really took from it. He's very positive, you know, and I think that's very similar to what you get from Breaking him. Breaking news, yeah. At all times, but it, it did feel like a a training camp again, right? The some of the poor play that we saw in January and February was not wearing him down anymore. He brings up that Clippers game all the a time. Lot, every and time. and I want to read into that like do you think that that means that maybe Horford isn't going to start? Because that was the one game. That was that was the first one, right? Yeah. And really, the 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 main one where they had everybody healthy, and they said, "All right, Al, you're, you're coming off the bench." Because because he's always like, that's the one where Joel and Ben played together. Al did some good stuff. You know, I think if if he really wants to run all those uh, those snug pick and rolls we saw in in that game, might be a little bit better to have one Shake Milton spacing the floor. I, I guess I got to go back and rewatch. I definitely didn't upon further review after that game, but <sighs> I mean, he really brings up that game a lot. And yep. it's like, you did have a bunch of other really good performances at home. You know, like I know you're not going to shoot like the Bucks game at all times, but that was, that was pretty cool. I don't know. The, the Lakers game was an excellent defensive performance, particularly because MB didn't play. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean that was that was I mean look, that was that was a good game. They scored 110 points despite only shooting eight eight of twenty-seven from three. Contrasting that with the Bucks game where they made like a million. Um they only had six turnovers against a really good defense. Uh that was a Furkan Korkmaz game where he, he started started the first half, got an Ofer, and then they went to Glenn Robinson the third in the second half. Um so a little little clunky in terms of who that fifth starter was. Al did end up playing 28 minutes off the bench. That was that was definitely, and, and like you said, they featured a lot of Embiid Simmons snug pick and rolls, which for some reason, every time I say that, going back to our football, I want to say skinny pick and rolls, I guess because from a skinny post, I don't know why, but for some reason it always comes skinny in my head and I have to like translate it. Um, but a lot of snug pick and rolls. I mean, that certainly, like you, that of uh, if you were to pick five games from the season, that would be one of the highlights, like unquestionably. But for him to keep going back to it and say, this is this is how I view Sixers basketball, which is, I think, what he said, something of that sort during this this press conference. Yeah, you could probably read a little bit into it. I do think that there is he's probably. I, I, I guess we'll go there. Do you think he has his mind made up on who is going to start come July 30th? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think he's always like the uh, the gym will speak or. What is the exact term? Yeah, something like, something like that, yeah. 
whatever. He basically, that means that, uh, that he's going to watch the players play and the answer will become obvious. I think in this scenario, especially because, you know, what, what are they going to get like a week or two of practices and they've seen actual game evidence of whether this works or not. I think he probably does have his mind made up, but he didn't give away enough. Like he, he did give away that for those of you who think that Al Horford is going to play 14 minutes per game no. as the backup center. That was never going to happen, but he did say that that's a thing that they're trying to figure out when to put Horford and Embiid together. Um, I don't know. It, it just because I did the uh, the exercise on the athletic, and I just really struggled with like where to put Milton, where to put Horford, where to put all of these surrounding pieces around Embiid and Simmons without messing up the. Uh, the normal rotations for those guys. It's, it's tough. I, uh, I can see an argument if you really want to make shake the ball handler on backup units, well then you can't start him. So then maybe that turns into Glenn Robinson. You get the token starter minutes. I think Nate Duncan calls that the Keith Bogans treatment for some reason. I don't know who Keith Bogans played for back in the day, but you play five or six minutes and then you don't play again. So maybe that's who it is. Maybe it's it's Corkmaz. I I just think Milton and Horford in particular, figuring out where to stick those guys is tough. But yeah, I do think like with um with what the Sixers have been able to do in terms of like looking back at the season, what worked, what didn't. I would guess that Brown and the front office, because remember, it is an organizational decision. They would have a pretty good feel for what uh, what they're gonna do with the rotation. I would say, yeah, and I guess it sort of leans into our next bit of information. They will have three scrimmages: Friday, July twenty fourth against Memphis, um, Sunday against Oklahoma City, and then Tuesday the twenty eighth against Dallas. But yeah, they'll have a couple of tune up games to sort of like see these in action. Then they'll have the eight tune up games, which really are just about tune up games for the Sixers unless you really want to go hunting for a specific matchup in the first and second round. Uh, but they will have the, basically 11 games to play before the playoffs. So they will have some time to see whether or not it works. And I feel like it would be easier, like if you, let's say you start off and you go five games and it's not working and you want to pivot. I feel like it would be easier to pivot from Milton starting to Horford starting just because you have at least done that you know, for 22 games or whatever it was. Earlier in the season, um, whereas to go the other way and try to make that change last second, I feel would be a little bit more difficult. Uh, but I do, th- I do agree with you. I think it would be. I think it's something where Brett has his mind pretty much made up. Um, could it change in his three scrimmages? Probably not. But I guess if it's completely disastrous, where it would really change is over those eight game regular seasons, uh, eight regular season games, and even then, like at some point, like if you have a couple bad games, you've got to. I don't know. It's 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 tough. Like pivoting something major like that would be tough. Um because you just there's no time. There's no time. Uh but yeah, I I agree. I think and I I still and I haven't I haven't really figured out my rotations. You know, maybe you pull Shake off five minutes in with Embiid, time to Embiid, bring him back late in the first when uh when Simmons goes out for sure. But I would still probably start Shake just because I I believe in that. And look, if you're going to talk about five minutes in the first quarter, five minutes in the third quarter, and then theoretically, like a lot of times I think 
we make a big deal about end- closing a game, but a lot of times, like, unless the fit is completely disastrous, like, you're probably going to close with the same lineup that you start because you believe in that lineup the most. Uh, so depending on matchup, that could change, but I, th- I think a fair amount of time that would close the game, too. Like, you're talking about 12 to 15 minutes. That's probably going to be your most used lineup over the course of the game. Uh, so I would I would prefer to have that lineup uh, get you off to a good start. I would I would probably go with Shake. Yeah, that just leaves the the Simmons Horford minutes. Who is going to be the pick and roll ball handler with Simmons? If it's not Shake, I think Richardson could probably do that role. And that's kind of the whole point of what we're talking about here. There's no perfect answer, I think, than like what we've seen in the past. Although you know what we've seen in the past, like the five starters fit a little more seamless, but you were also throwing in a dog shit backup center at all times. So it's, uh, it's tough, but I mean, just knowing the Sixers front office and knowing how they operate, they, whether or not they're right all the time, it does seem like they, they get ahead of things and have the, the man and and woman power to, uh, to study like everything they do. So yeah, I, I think they probably have an answer by now. I think that is a good enough place to cut it off. Uh, Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.